0: You're listening to Numbers on the Boards with Jeff Skinwade and Bobby Corrala. Hello and welcome to Numbers on the Boards, your weekly Mavs podcast. We took a week off as I'm joined by Skinwade. We took a week off, but we're going to make the wait worth it. Yes. I think we're going to make the wait worth it. Uh, We are coming to you live in the past from the Mavs main floor at the American Airlines Center where Yogi Ferrell right now is draining jump shots right in assistant coach Mike Weiner's face. And Maxi Kleba is receiving up really nice post-entry passes from player development and video coordinator uh, Mike Shedd.
1: Shedd has got such a sick jumper that people had to respect his entry pass game. Yeah, they you had know, to back off. You know, if you sag... Uh, he's gonna knock that jumper down, so you got to get up on him, and then he just fires those nice passes. Yeah. You so know, I'm gonna I'm gonna play in a rec league with him, and I'm gonna co-post up. Entry passes,
0: I feel like, I mean, without getting way too nerdy, within the first thirty seconds of a podcast, entry passes, I think, are one of the most underappreciated Man, skills that a guard can have.
1: I can't tell you how much I love you. I am a big <laughs> believer in this. Now, I know people are gonna say, "Well, the post game doesn't exist like it did before," but that's still not an excuse. And I and when you See a bad entry pass almost nine times out of ten, it's the wrong angle. It's, they're, they're not firing in at that 45-degree angle. They're closer to the top of the key. And it's impossible—not impossible, but it's more difficult for the post player to hold off the defender. Yeah, for, well,
0: especially in the NBA. In yes. college, you can you can seal off a guy pretty easily. Pretty but easily, in, in the right. NBA, everybody's as big as you are.
1: Right, and so uh, yes, you're dead on. It drives me crazy how many competent NBA players make bad entry passes. I'm like, what are we doing?
0: The king of the entry pass, in my opinion, the guy who uh, does it all the time, never turns it over ever. The great Devin Harris. Devin Harris, he's a good, incredible entry strong passer. guard. He knows how to make an entry pass. Yeah. And Yogi Farrell, too, another good entry passer. Even though he's not the tallest guy, mm-hmm. played four years in college for Tom Crean, I'm pretty sure that while he was there, he learned how to make a nice entry pass. It's all about
1: angles. Mm-hmm. It's about creating the angle, and it's about getting it to where the defender is not going to get the hand in the way, and there's a number of ways you can do that. But if you find the right angle and deliver the pass – then that dude should be able to just flip it over his shoulder and score. Yeah,
0: so if you're under 6'5", learn how to make an inch pass. No you're at home, Especially if you're, like, under the age of 18. Right. Man, if you're playing in high school and you can do it, you're going to get minutes. If you're playing in college and you can do it, you're going to get minutes. And guess what? If you can't make those passes, you're not going to play. I agree. Yeah. Lesson uh, learned, kids. Yeah, so, Skin, we were recording this on Sunday, March 4th, the day after Mavs ball, which is probably one of the, if not the top event where players make an appearance every year.
1: Yeah, every player was there except Seth Curry, who you know, surgery recently. I haven't he's seen doing Seth stuff. in a while, so
0: he was uh, he was milling around the the practice court the other day after okay. practice one day and shooting off of one leg only. So is that he's, right, he's still kind of recovering. His left leg is still kind of you know stay off that thing.
1: Well, if Seth was there last night and I missed him, I apologize. I did not see him, but I saw everybody else, including Hobson, who's currently on a ten day contract, um, and. One of the real cool things is it's you know it's to raise money, and uh, there's a charity aspect to it. And so then there's this auction, and people bid to get their picture taken with the whole team. And all these dudes are wearing suits and all spiffy. And then there's another moment where it was an auction to where 10 kids... Can have a sleepover in the Mavs new locker room oh nice and Uncle Ricky Coach Carlisle would be there and he talked Dennis Smith Jr. into being there too oh wow yeah so it was uh it was a lot of fun last night it's hosted by Mark Folliwell and Dana Larson they always do an amazing job and Cedric the Entertainer was the uh the entertainment yeah
0: so he was the headliner how was that I, I couldn't make it but how was
1: he he was really funny and I gotta say that Uh, It was not for all ages, which I enjoyed uh, quite a bit. And, you know, there weren't that, uh, you know, Mavs trainer Al Whitley, equipment manager Al Whitley was there with his daughter. uh, And I'm guessing she's 13 or 12. So I don't know if he went earmuffs with her at all at certain times. But uh, said, said the entertainer, not said the Sabalo, said the entertainer, definitely went with uh the adult material and I for one loved it because I'm an adult yeah
0: dude and I miss it and I'm bummed that I missed it it was for a good cause that I missed it but I've been to the first two Mavs balls before this one and both of them were awesome uh if you are listening and haven't been it's definitely worth checking out yeah it supports a great cause if yep. you if you buy a seat buy a table for your company for your family whatever uh you get to meet all the players get yes. to meet I mean Cuban's usually there Carlisle all the Mavs brass I mean everybody that you see on the floor is at this thing and yep just a great time everybody's in a good mood yeah they raise a ton of money for a great cause
1: the new ceo uh cynthia marshall was there and she was getting jiggy with it from what i saw on, uh, on Dwayne's twitter she was dancing yeah i actually sat at the table with Dwayne price and his lovely wife yvette uh and we had a ton of fun and I highly, highly recommend it. It's at the Bomb Factory, which is an awesome venue. Oh, for sure. Love for the sure. I love the Bomb Factory. I see a lot of shows there actually. Yeah. Um,
0: those suites there on the upper on upper nice. level. Yeah, they're very we nice. We did the
1: uh, We did the Ludicrous Map show there. We
0: did. Yeah. Uh, you were You were kind of the MC. If I was I remember the MC,
1: right. and in fact, I uh, actually partied with your mom and your sister Lisa that night. I
0: was there, there my man. I was partying with you too. Well, up top, we uh, yeah, tore up top. it up. Uh, you You don't remember? That means that you must have had. Uh, I, but Dad didn't drive home. A few two. A few too. Well, you but, were responsible. How yeah, that? you were. But
1: your sister sent me a picture she took of me and Fort Worth Soul Sensation Leon Bridges. Yes, so Bridges, uh, he and that was, was there before, hanging out.
0: that was kind of before he got big, just starting to bubble. Yeah,
1: just starting to bubble. So, uh, so that was a ton of fun. That's a great venue, and that's where it was. And before they had this like cocktail thing, and you're talking about people meeting players. There was a kid there. He was too young to hear Cedric the Entertainer. There was a kid there with his dad, and they were carrying, like, this uh, team photo, and he, he got, like, almost every autograph. That's awesome. Just because there's, like like you said, there's, like, 30 to 45 minutes where we go into the main hall for dinner where you can meet players and stuff. Mm. It's it's just a great event. Yeah. Now, why, How come you didn't go?
0: So I did not go because uh – it kind of worked out almost serendipitously, basically. So for Christmas, uh, my sister and I got my dad a trip to Windstar. All so right. the three of us were going to take a road trip up to Windstar. I love Windstar. It's a giant casino in uh, Oklahoma right across the border. Big-time map sponsor, too, Yeah, Windstar. yeah.
1: In fact, uh, right, you see it right over there, dude, on those steps. Yeah, it's right
0: on the steps, and I believe they sponsor some uh, some entertainment in-game think. Uh, I don't doubt that. Now, games, I got to
1: yeah. be honest. People ask me about in-game entertainment, and I never get to see because I have a headset on. Oh, because you're doing the broadcast. So, like, I couldn't even really tell you. What I said, uh, Sean Heath was at our table last night. I don't know what Sean Heath does in-game. I always have a headset on. Yep. So I miss a lot of that. Well, we
0: put on a party, man. One of these days, just rebel, take your headset off, and, and just, take in, just take in the entertainment.
1: I should. Man, Winstar also has Awesome! I love golf, mm-hmm. and they have two resort courses. Mm-hmm. So, like, I tell my friends big golf, dude, you got to go to Windstar. It's like thirty-six holes of real resort championship. And it is—it's
0: not in the state of Texas, but we left from like the middle of Dallas yesterday. We got there in an hour. It's awesome. Yeah, love and it. We got back this so morning. You guys in had yeah. fun. Yeah, no. So we had we had a blast. Yeah, and it got delayed a little bit because my dad was sick. He was one of the people that fell uh, to the flu, so he was ill oh, for dear. a while. He was under the weather, but we ended up going this weekend, which is the weekend before his birthday. So it kind of turned into a birthday weekend. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was a you great time. We uh, we did a little bit of everything, played some Keno skin. That was my first okay. exposure to Keno. Played right. some blackjack, did some uh, plenty of slots, ate some really good food. It was a great time. You can so, never uh,
1: go wrong with uh, Keno. I love blackjack. I'll sit at a blackjack. I mean, I like to move around to different tables. Yeah, for sure. But I can get sucked into a six-hour vortex of blackjack if I don't watch it. Yeah, well, we
0: almost got sucked into a six-hour vortex of Keno. My dad is... Is big on that. We were playing a lot of numbers skinning uh, <laughs> Let's just say we didn't come back in the in the positive. Good, but it That's was a good. great time. It was a great time. Thank you, WinStar. Yeah, thank you, WinStar, and thank you, Mavs Ball, and the Bomb Factory, and everybody else who helped put that on. I'm sure that that the Mavs Foundation probably raised a ton of money, and that is a that is a great cause. I mean, obviously, we know all the people that run it, so for for them to raise that much money, I'm sure they're going to put it to good use.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I saw that you before I was coming over here. By the way, they're playing the uh, Pelicans tonight. If the Pelicans end up the number three seed in the West, I know this may seem like sacrilege, but Anthony Davis is your MVP. Everyone's going to say James Harden, and James Harden's been incredible, and, you know, Houston manned up the number one seed. But to lose Boogie Cousins, do you know the tear that Anthony Davis is on in yeah, the last seven I, games? I believe
0: one of the best months in NBA history. One of February. the best
1: months in NBA history. He is on the best – he's putting up the best numbers – uh, for, let's see, in terms of rebounds and points over a seven-game win streak since Carl Malone in 1988. Jeez. I mean, it is – and now he's – isn't he leading the league in scoring now?
0: Uh, probably. And, I mean, he's, he's, had, he's scoring 40 every night Yeah, lately. he's
1: second in rebounding. He's second in blocks. And so people, like, kind of create these narratives because of the way the season goes, and then something sneaks up on you. Dude, can you imagine losing Boogie Cousins and then just putting the team on your back and dragging them to third in the West if third he does in the West. that?
0: And as it stands right now, so things could change tonight based on what happens in other games and right. obviously in this game too, but the Pelicans are fifth in the West right now. They are half a game out of fourth and one game out of third, where the Blazers are third. Shout out Terry Stotts. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, former Mavs assistant Terry Stotts. And then the, the Wolves are fourth. Obviously, they're kind of in a, a difficult time losing their star, Jimmy right. Butler. So we But got he two will teams. be
1: back. Now, when it happened, I thought he wouldn't be back, but he mm. supposedly will be back in time for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, in time for the playoffs, but not in time for the regular season. Right. So it'll be right. the Pelicans have a really good shot. And, yeah, how often do you see a team with two alphas? I mean, Boogie is – incredible. Whenever yes. he's healthy, he's one of the, the one of the best centers in the league for sure. He goes down, all of a sudden Anthony Davis is like, "All right, well, don't worry. I got you." And then some. They've won 7 in a row.
1: Before the Boogie injury, did you think Boogie and or Anthony Davis were top 5 players in the league? Frankly, I did not. Okay. I mean, I think that's fair. I think you know you the you immediately say LeBron, Kevin Durant, and then after that we start talking about how do you feel about Harden or how do you feel about Curry, Steph or how do you feel about Kawhi Giannis Leonard, or Giannis. Kawhi? Um, I think it's real interesting after that, but before the injury, who did you think was a better player, Boogie or Anthony Davis?
0: Man, see, I've always been a big fan of Boogie's game because yes. he can shoot the three, but their on-off numbers are so much better whenever Davis is playing than uh-huh. whenever Boogie was playing, whenever they're separate. Right. And whenever they're together, obviously they were good, but right. separate, they were always better with Davis on the floor. But the one thing about Davis is that he's hurt a lot. Yeah, He's hurt a lot, and that is just kind of – that's one of those things where, man, I mean, if he can stay healthy, then he can be awesome. But right. until then, it's just – it. It, it hurt, and obviously Boogie was healthy all the time, and then he had a freak injury, and now he's going to be out for the rest of the year. So God, that was unfortunate to see. That yeah, I Evan think Marcy. what we're seeing maybe with Davis – how old is he now, 24,
1: 25? Uh, I have not checked. He, he came I out I would in guess 25.
0: 2012, and he was 19, so probably yeah. about 25.
1: Okay, uh, we got a key to the to tonight's game from one of the Mavs' assistants. Score more than New Orleans. There you go. Yeah,
0: that's that's easy. That's easy coaching right there. That's why they pay him the big bucks. That's
1: Rick goes in there and says, "Guys, tonight we need to score more than they do,
0: and we need to make sure that they score less than us." Right. Yeah. So that's the plan. It's simple, man. Winning, winning is so easy. But uh, but yeah, I think Davis now. It kind of takes people a while, you know. Like Dirk, for example, Maxi Kleba just was sitting down on the bench and threw up a shot, and it went in from about 35 feet sitting down.
1: NBA players' skin are amazing. They're stronger than you and I are. Yeah, for I sure. think that's what we just learned from Maxi e. Kaliba, sitting down on the bench making a three. You could give me 15 shots from where he's
0: sitting, and I would maybe make one of them on accident.
1: All right, this is going to sound outrageously cocky. I think that before I hurt my shoulder, so I'm going to go back in time seven oh, years. Get ready for this one. I think 39-year-old skin sitting down, if he had fifteen of those, I would expect to make at least three. You would expect. I would expect to make at least three. To make it. I, I would need to be standing
0: to make one to even hit the rim.
1: Now my shoulder hurts so bad I can't even put hair gel in my hair without hurting my shoulder. Is that so your right shoulder? That's my right shoulder. shoulder.
0: So you and you're right handed. I'm right handed, well, so that, I'm screwed now. Yeah. And
1: it's a good excuse to not have to prove that ridiculous claim. You could I just, just made. say it, and right. people just have to buy it. Right. It's like, hey, I've got a shoulder injury, or else I'd do awesome stuff. Yeah. Right.
0: Back in 82, man, I could man. throw a
1: pigskin a quarter mile. I'm Uncle Rico over yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: uh, anyway, yeah, it's been awesome to see Anthony Davis take big strides. Drew Holiday. Yeah, uh, he's uh, who, uh, he's had – I think he's
1: averaged 20 a game in this seven-game yeah, win streak. Yeah, he's been for them. killing it. Yeah. The Mavs
0: have long admired him for his kind of versatility and all that stuff. He, he is a really good player, man. Good he's, combo he's guard, right?
1: He can defensively cover both positions. He can run an offense if you need him to, but he's been playing a lot of two for them.
0: And they've been playing three-guard lineups or were earlier in the year with him, Rondo, and uh, – who else do they have? Why am I drawing a blank on this skin? Uh, they have a few guards. Um, are you talking about Moore? Do I need to pull up there? Well, they got Etwan Moore, who's a good shooter, good three-point shooter. This is great audio. By There's the way, I just – Scrolling through the roster on NBA.com. Live coverage of internet scrolling. Oh, well, the Ian Clark who came in. Why Obviously, now they got uh, they got our guy, Nikola Miritich. Frank Jackson's been good, too. Yes. Rookie from Duke. What in the hell
1: is up with – how did they dust off a Mecca Okafor? Dude, he's what in the NBA. S- what a crazy story! Isn't that awesome? It's like four years, right? How? I, yeah, I want to say four years. Lord have or mercy. Or maybe even
0: five. It might have been since 2013 that, that he's is in the league. So outrageous! And now here he is. And now after now he, he is. played in the in the G League earlier this right. season, and now he's back in the NBA. Pretty cool. Uh, number two overall pick, I believe, in 2004. Out
1: of uh, Houston. Houston. Mech Okafor is uh, from Houston. He oh, from Houston UConn. Tate. He played at right. UConn, but he's uh, a Houstonite. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, there maybe you go. Maybe straight Jesuit or something like that. I don't remember exactly who it was. Yeah. Well, well other I, think his dad's, I think his dad's like one of those uh, petroleum rocket scientist dudes. You know, a lot of those international oh, oh, people wow. live in Houston. Yeah. So he's like a big brainiac Doing guy. NASA stuff. Yeah,
0: man. Whatever. He, why did Omeka play in the NBA, man? He could have just gone to... Those really guys,
1: rockets. NBA players, are making a lot more than rocket scientists, Maybe. I'm going to say. We'll, Especially we'll when they're the number two. He had like one of those 15-a-year contracts yeah, at we'll, one point. How
0: about if we see Emeka's dad at the game tonight, we can ask him. Just I go will. up to him and say, hey, man, how much did he make? Right. Who's got more in the bank? You or He's going
1: to love having a stranger come up and ask him how much he makes. Well,
0: once he finds out who you are, right. he'll, be, he'll be be he'll he'll oblige. Like,
1: you're the guy that before the shoulder injury could have gone three for 15 while sitting yeah. on your butt. I've heard about you, man. Yeah. I've
0: heard about you. Uh, other Mavs connection, they have DeAndre Liggins, who was on the Mavs mm-hmm. for one game last season Against you played the, really uh, well in that game. yeah at, at Memphis last game of the year right. you told a story about that earlier this year actually and um, of course Rajon Rondo former Mav Kay. that happened I don't really like talking about him yeah that that happened at one point uh, at okay skin how about we change the subject very hard without any type of segue boom uh, earlier today I sent out a tweet mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter at Bobby Carella, It's
1: where you'll find tweets.
0: Yeah. And I, I added you in that, too. I tagged you, at uh, Skin Wade. It's where you'll find your tweets. hmm And I said, quote, recording a podcast with Skin Wade very soon. Would love to answer a couple questions from y'all if you got them. At me. I'm not afraid of the heat. And Skin, I believe you quote tweeted that, sent out one I of did. your own. Absolutely. Uh, so I've just been scrolling through these. I've seen some really good ones. Yes. Uh, I've seen some ones that are interesting. Yes. Um, so how about this? Let's start with basketball-related ones, and then yeah. maybe we can diverge sure. into the into the uh, superfluous. Or I'm in. Whatever. Um, okay, so what are the chances, skin, that Dwight Powell is the team's starting center moving forward into next season? Obviously, you have to take things into consideration, free agency, the draft, and whatnot. Dwight's been starting lately. He's been playing well. Mm-hmm. What do you think uh, that outlook is looking like at this point?
1: First of all, shout-out to the guy who asked that question. That's oh, yeah, I that is Tyler. Tyler Adams, 93. Sorry I know about him. That. He's a great guy. Um, I think he, I consider him my personal IT guy because I'm too dumb to keep up with technology, so Tyler keeps me straight. There you go. Um, I have to the point where I think that Dwight Powell can be a starting center depends on depending on what's happening next to him at four and be effective in most games. The, the one problem would be like, you know, if you look at Dwight Powell's numbers against Oklahoma City on Wednesday, they were great, but there's obviously mismatches against those few giant dudes not a lot of guys can keep Stephen Adams off. What do you have, nine offensive rebounds on he Wednesday? He had a lot. He and, had a lot. And that's a – that's a. but, see, the Mavericks don't really have any of the big – you know, the last guy they had, I'd guess, would be Zaza. But most of their guys are the skinny athletic guys, whether it's Nerlens or Sala. Yep. You know, they don't have the guys with the wide base. So they're going to struggle. Um, but I think, you know, I'm real interested to know if Dirk comes back, could you foresee Dirk coming off the bench next year?
0: That's where things get – weird
1: that's where things get weird and we got to think about this moving forward but you know if you just project forward with the Mavericks record they're going to have a top five or six pick probably Mm -hmm. and I would imagine if they do end up getting one of these big guys like an Aiton or a Bamba or the kid from Michigan State with Jackson Jr. um, I would suspect they would want to start that guy rather quickly and then You know, uh, in the case of Aiton and Jackson Jr., those guys can spread the floor so Dwight Powell can continue being a hard-roll guy. I think if you go back and look at Dwight Powell's success this year where he took off, it's when he started playing next to Dirk and was no longer the stretch guy. He was the hard-roll guy. Mm -hmm. And then who knows what happens with Noel moving forward. That's a big question here in these final 19 games. Yeah, I
0: think ultimately, so Rick Carlisle said that they want to play Powell at four moving forward this season. Hmm. I believe that would involve playing Powell next to Nerlens,
1: And that, I think, is one of those. Yeah, hey, there's oh, Mark, oh, Mark Falwell. Yeah, you can yeah.
0: hear his dulcet tones from, uh, from off
1: mic. I hear it in my head at all times. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It just cuts through everything. He
0: narrates my life. Yeah, he's an Mark amazing guy. Powell. So, uh, so yeah, if you can play Powell and Nerlens together, obviously Powell would need
1: to kind of develop, continue developing that outside he, shot. He's been so good as a role guy. I know what people are going to ask. They're going to say, well, I don't know how he can be the role guy with Noel on the floor because Noel can't shoot. Uh, and so it's like, you know, his guy's going to sag and clog yeah. up the lane for the roll guy. But these are all things for the Mavericks to, in these final 19 games, I'm sure you've seen the stories about – we have to have Harrison Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr. gel over these final nineteen games because yep. they're very important to our future. And I think a lot of guys are going to get a lot of looks at different situations. Is Powell going to be a roll five or is he going to be more of a stretch four? And you know what? He can be a roll four if he's on the floor with a stretch five.
0: Yep, exactly. You. It's more about. It's less about position, I would say, and more about what functionality. You're doing. So if you have a seven foot five guy that can shoot forty percent from three, obviously One, two, you want him two, shooting threes. Two, two, yeah. Uh, three, three, okay. Four. This is uh, this kind of relates to that question, actually. Hold on, I think an airplane's taking off. Oh. oh okay, was, we're good. No, this is Anthony we're Davis good. coming yep. on the floor. Yep, we're good. The, uh, the heavens shook whenever he stepped on the floor. Uh, okay, so this one is from Steven Navarro. He's at Steven1Navarro. Kind of ties into the Dwight Powell situation. Is Harrison Barnes an ideal fit with Dennis Smith Jr. as a three or a four, if
1: at all? I think he's an ideal fit with him as a player, and I think everything else is situational. Um, so, like... I'm not a big individual plus-minus guy. Sometimes those things jump out at you and you can't deny it. It's like everybody has a negative plus-minus except this guy was plus-18. I get it. That matters. But in general, I'm not a big plus-minus guy because it lacks any and all context. Who's he on the floor For one with? game, you mean. For, for right, the course right, of a right. full season or 20 games sure. or whatever, you can. absolutely. And a lot of coaches, it matters to them. Yep. Uh, Brad Stevens, uh, I was back there when the Celtics were here. And a guy asked him a question, and Brad Stevens said, I don't look at individual plus minus. And I'm like, see, I think like that guy Hmm. because I need context for numbers. I mean, if I got numbers on the boards, I need context for these numbers. So uh, I got off on that whole tangent to say that I need to know who else is on the floor with Harrison Barnes before I tell you – Does he work as a three or four? I think his playmaking skills have improved, and his outside catch-and-shoot situation has improved to the point where if you tell me he's a three, I'm okay with it. If you tell me he's a four, I'm okay with it. It just depends on who he's on the floor with. It's not Dennis Smith Jr. I think he can function in either role with Dennis Smith Jr.
0: I think some of it depends on the opponent, too. So, for example, what the Kings were in here the other night, they had Zach Randolph playing four. Right, it's bad. That's the games where I want
1: Barnes playing four,
0: because he can exploit that quickness situation or they're going to have to put a wing on him and then you got a a slower guy on an even smaller quicker player right Uh, whereas the other night in Chicago uh, they had I believe David Nwaba starting at three who's a thick guy but he's not as tall as Barnes Mm -hmm. so you put Barnes at three Barnes can bully him in the post and Barnes ended up scoring 26 points in that game he played great so I think some of it is matchup dependent also I think if Barnes is going to be playing three. He has improved as a ball handler, and I've been I've been talking to him actually about ball handling, playmaking, passing, things like that. That is going to come out in an article soon on Mavs.com. All right, so I'll read that. We talked in Chicago the other day. Yeah, so, uh, but I don't know if he is the kind of guy yet. Uh, he's, he's working to become that guy, but I don't know if he's the kind of guy yet where you can give it to him 30 feet from the basket, have him call for a screen, and just make something happen. Yeah. I think he's kind of capitalizing off work that other guys do. Yeah. So I think if he's going to be playing a lot of three, I would like to have both a point guard and a shooting guard who can handle kind of the main facilitating duties. So that way you're not just over relying on one guy, whether yeah. it's Dennis or Yogi Ferrell or whoever. You can have two guys out there that can run offense. They can kind of swing it over to Barnes, a la Chandler Parsons, what he was doing a couple years ago. Right. Kind of break down the defense that's already off balance, out of position. Maybe, you know, his guy sagged off and he can he can do something.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, what we're talking about is we're talking about a – do you think it's outrageous to say – He's kind of become similar to Carmelo Anthony. I think in some good ways, an older yeah. Carmelo Anthony. I'm not talking about current Carmelo. You mean Anthony. you mean in the past Carmelo, not yeah. older like 35 years right, ago. Right, 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 right. Yeah, like yeah. five years ago. Carmelo. Yeah, I can see that. I
0: mean, he's he's very good mid range shooter, pretty good three point shooter. But I think wh- if he can, what he can do better than Melo is develop into more of a facilitator.
1: I think Carmelo would have been a great facilitator if he had any interest in doing that. Yeah. I yes. really thought that he was going to blend in well in Oklahoma City because much like Chris Paul wanted to be in Houston, I thought he would embrace that sort of thing in Oklahoma City. It's been varying degrees of success, but there's really not anything basketball-wise that Carmelo can't do if he doesn't want to do. He's yep. as talented a guy as there is. Yeah, you know, he can do it all. Right, he can Bar- do it all. And Barnes has – a lot of those trades he's do. moving in that direction at that size and, yeah, and you're seeing
0: and, and for example in the game uh who they played before okay or yeah the okc game that was on wednesday mm-hmm. uh, barnes had i want to say five assists which is the second most in the season he hooked up with dwight powell a couple times in the pick and roll for lobs in chicago the other night on friday he drove the lane a few times tried to make a pass to cutting big men and some of them worked and some of them got stolen, hand in the passing lane, whatever. So I think he's he's trying to do those things and especially now that he's gonna be playing a lot more three, he's gonna be in a position to do it more. Yeah. It's gonna be you know, there's gonna be some trial and error um, down the stretch. But uh, okay, let's see. Let's look at more questions on Twitter. This is from Cliff Beruder. I've seen him on Twitter, he's good. Yeah, good big time. Twitter big time man. MFFL. Yeah. Uh, so in these final game skin, what are you looking to see from Dennis Smith Jr.? What is the number one thing, if you were his coach, what is the number one thing that he needs to work on this summer to improve it? Okay,
1: he needs to I, – I don't know if I've talked about this with you yet, but the little – I don't want to call it a dust-up, but a week ago all the chatter about Dennis playing off the ball. Mm-hmm. Here's why I think this is interesting. If I was coaching Dennis Smith Jr., I would show him footage of Chris Paul playing off the ball in Houston. Not from the standpoint that we're going to do the same things that Houston is doing, but to show him how to stay engaged in a basketball game when it's not going through him. Mm. And the reason I think it's effective is because Chris Paul has been brilliant at it. And number two, Dennis Smith Jr. has a very high regard for Chris Paul. Yes. And so I think he can learn a lot from that. I know that a lot of our podcast listeners and viewers don't like Chris Paul. And they think he's a big jerk and this, that, and the other, and I get that. That dude is a frickin' ridiculous basketball player. Mm. And there are things that he sees about the game and intangible things that I think... Uh, I don't think there's anything that, that uh, Dennis can't do. He's got the ability to do anything. Now it's a matter of does he want to do all those things? Will he develop all those things? I think he will. I love, I love the kid. He
0: seems to have bought into all of Rick's coaches. Absolutely,
1: so far. and I think it's. I think you know sometimes you see his body language doesn't look too good, but you know so uh, getting ready to do a sports name drop here. So uh, because through the time that we've done the Ben and Skin Show, Ben and I've really gotten to know Michael Young, the Texas Rangers great, mm. all time hit leader, awesome guy. Like, you know, the whole athletes as role models. Dude, he's a role model. Like Harrison Barnes. Yep. Michael Young is that kind of person. And one of the things that we, when we talk about attitude and different body language and things, he's like, you know what, though? That's, that hating to lose, you don't want to beat that out of a kid because there's a special component there. That drives a lot of the most brilliant guys of all time. After
0: he missed that shot against OKC, for example, walking in the tunnel, yes! he kind of banged the side. That's a great. You point. know who else did that, by the way? Uh, the great Dirk Nowitzki absolutely has kicked one or two water coolers in his day, and an exercise bike, I believe. if I'm Isn't not
1: there saying. a uh, on the wall at the that's going to be gone because Golden State's moving their arena? But what is it, Oracle there? Oracle Arena, yeah. That yeah, he it. autographed where he uh, yeah, you know a punched giant the wall. Hole the wall, yeah. yeah. So my my whole point is that. You know, I think one of the things that happened is I think he dropped in the draft because people misread body language for a kid that didn't – you know, his coach got fired. They finished sub-500 in the ACC. They are bad. what well, They have like four wins in the ACC. They were, they were not That's a lot for an 18-year-old to wear, uh, 19-year-old to wear. And I think, you know, probably people misread his body language. And then the Mavs have a, a, a great guy named Don Cockstein who is, you know, for lack of a better word, a sports psychologist – and um, he interviewed Dennis Smith Jr. said, there ain't nothing wrong with this kid. This is a good kid. So, all that chatter about bad attitude, those are misconceptions. It ain't right. Yeah.
0: I and think, well, uh, I, be careful when, uh, especially from when watching from afar, to confuse maybe uh, um, stoicism uh-huh. with indifference. Right. Right.
1: And the look. Now, I'm going to say this. There was a couple possessions in the first four minutes of the Utah game where J.J. had the ball and Dennis was in the corner bent over grabbing his shorts. Yep. That's bad. Yep. That can't happen. got to keep moving. And so that's why I'm like, watch Chris Paul off the ball. And then you, you can see the effectiveness that you can have mm. uh, without you being the ball handler in the pick and roll or you being in an isolation and flattening out. You, there's other ways for you to impact the game because there are very few players – That can physically do the things that you can do. Use it to your advantage at all times. And that's just experience and, you know, repetition and understanding the game and all that. So I'm not making any judgments right now. I just, those are things that stand out to me. So that's an area over these final 19 games I personally want to see him grow because I feel like he's going to be a great pick and roll point guard in the NBA. Mm.
0: Yeah, well, some of that too is just. Very subtle stuff. Like for example, preparing your defender for the catch. So you're playing off the ball. Maybe you start leaning one way, and then you cut the other way and catch the ball. You're open for three. Yeah, you know, it's just like little stuff. Devin Harris is really good at that. Yogi Ferrell is really good at moving off the ball. You just got to keep moving, constantly keep moving, because. Especially as the shooting guard, you're the second quickest player on the floor or even the quickest. You're supposed to be. you got to be moving. It it just
1: affects everybody where you go, especially someone as athletic as him. Guys are going to be paying attention to him. And here's a smaller version of it. You know who's outstanding at moving off the ball is Doug McDermott. Yes. And the reason is is because guys fear the catch and shoot so much he can create leverage and get a guy headed that way and then use it for a backdoor cut because they're terrified of his catch-and-shoot. Yep. So, you know, it's so funny, the whole moving screen routine. It's up to the player using the screen to steer his man into the screen. It's not up to the screener to...
0: I mean, you're not supposed to move you set You're not supposed a screen, to move.
1: You know? So, I'm just saying, like, Doug McDermott is a guy that knows how to move without the ball and use his outstanding shooting ability, which everybody fears, to his advantage. Much like Dirk was always able to drive the ball because people had to get up on him because he going to shoot over you and burn you. Yep. And then, you know, you people forget because we've been watching late 30s Dirk for so long. Go watch Dirk when he was 27 he's just flying by the dunking dudes. on KG,
0: Chris oh, Weber. So I great. mean, these are Hall of Fame guys that he's taken to school.
1: Dirk's the goatiest of goat goats. Yep.
0: Well, and, okay, so Dennis moving off the ball, you're talking about how people are going to defend him. One thing, one play that they've run all year where he's moving off the ball is where he comes up to the top, hands off the ball to West, takes that kind of a dive screen sort of, mm-hmm. and then goes up for the alley-oop. Right. Teams are just starting to go underneath that. They're, They're scouting taking it. So your wrinkle is if you see him go under, then you just backpedal out to the three-point line take mm-hmm. a shot. But that's all footwork. Right. I think that's going to be something that he's going to work on a lot this summer too is preparing himself to shoot before he gets the ball or before if he has the ball before he rises for the shot. It's about what you do with your last two or three steps before you go up to shoot. Yes. Got to get your balance. Got to get – you know, establish your separation if you're with your defender. If you have the ball, if you don't have the ball, get in a position to catch the ball and rise and shoot quickly.
1: Yeah. So, uh, if you like uh, one of our best shooting coaches, Mike Procopio, and so I always ask every shooting coaches, "What's the most important thing with a shot? Second, third? What do you look for?" Blah, blah blah. I'm always interested in this. And most guys, the first thing they say is release point, because if you if the ball is in a certain release point, it'll even out a lot of other mechanical issues. We heard Kyle
0: Collinsworth talk about that earlier this yeah. season on this yes. podcast.
1: Okay. Second thing they almost always say is footwork leading up to the shot to, yep. to just hammer home the point that you're making.
0: Yeah, the most famous shot arguably in the NBA in the last 20 years since Jordan's shot is Ray, Ray Allen's Allen. shot in the finals yes. where he's backpedaling blind to the corner, gets there, doesn't step out of bounds, gets behind the three-point line in that perfect gray area yeah. or in that perfect area and gets up the shot to tie the game awesome. in game six. Yeah,
1: great, great recall, Bobby. And will Dennis
0: ever be as good a three-point shooter, or as good a guy with footwork as Ray Allen?
1: Probably Dude, not. If I that's going to happen, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's fair to say that he's not going to be better than probably one of the best five shooters of all time, but Rick Carlisle has worked with Reggie Miller, mm-hmm. he's worked with Dirk Nowitzki, mm-hmm. he's worked with Jason Terry, these are some of the Jason best three-point Kidd, shooters. Who ended up making a ton of threes yeah, by the end Page of his Astoria. career. Yeah, one yep. of the best three-point shooters, he's worked even with like Steve Novak, mm-hmm. Matt Carroll, guys who are known for their three-point shooting, so Rick has had a very long history of working with guys who are very good at threes, so... Played whether, with Larry whether Rick Bird. Is, yeah, played with Larry Bird. So whether Rick is just a, a wizard, he can teach him these habits or he can just pass off their advice to Dennis directly. You know, he, he's got a wealth of knowledge at his fingertips. And sometimes, man, shooting like with Jay Kidd took him 10, 15 years to really become like a dead-eye three-point shooter. It you know can take really, guys a long time.
1: Yeah, you know who really helped Jay Kidd when he was here was um, – oh, God, I'm blanking uh, – the coach that's in Milwaukee now with Jay Kidd. I can't believe I'm blanking. Oh, man. uh. Uh, player development coach with with Car- Tarkanian for all those years at UNLV. Uh, yeah. Tim Gurgich. Yes, yes. He's going to give me a hard time when I see him. One of the <laughs> sweetest, most—he's one of my favorite dudes to ever come through here. But you would on the run to the finals. He was always working with Jay Kid before the game. Yeah, always Building And up He
0: is a l- coaching legend. He I is. was not aware of just how like how big this guy is. So
1: he was he was at UNLV with uh, Tarkanian all those years. So mm-hmm. he coached Stacey Ogma when in college. So about six years ago, or whenever it was, seven years ago, Ogben, I believe, was on the Nugget staff. And I went up to him before a game, and I was like, what is the deal with Coach Gergrich? Why is he such a legend? And he just proceeded to to break down how the coach builds you up. And he's like, he makes you believe in yourself because you know he believes in you, and he just builds you up. He's a legendary player development coach. Yeah,
0: and he has, in Las Vegas in the summer, right after Summer League is over, he has a coaching clinic and it is apparently like everybody. Everybody in the world goes to that thing. Yeah, I that know is, Buck used to go to that. Okay, everybody yeah, still yeah does. If you want to be an NBA coach, you go there. And Buck our, is coaching uh, with Memphis. the Grizzlies. He's on, yes. the, he's on the Grizzlies bench right now. He
1: left our broadcast to go coach. We don't blame him.
0: Yeah, it's a, a small upgrade, I yeah, would say. Absolutely, getting to go to uh, the NBA bench. Someone's going to call you eventually here, Skin.
1: I don't think so. I don't. Uh, the way you're talking
0: about release points and footwork, you know all the buzzwords. I
1: think I would be a good player development coach because I love being in the gym. But uh, I think there's so many good ones. I don't think anyone's going, man, we've got to develop that guy into a player development coach. Maybe pro can develop
0: you into a development coach.
1: That'd be great. Yeah. Man, my dad was a hell of a basketball coach. I'm telling you. Was he? He was great.
0: My dad is a great soccer coach. Let's get him together. He was a good basketball coach, too. Right, right. All right. But yeah, let's get him together. Okay, skin, last one. Uh, Not as basketball related. Uh, I'm assuming that our guy John is a boss, John Daniel. I'm assuming he's talking about peanuts, but maybe he's uh-huh. talking about something
1: else. Is that big John Daniel?
0: Uh, John is a boss. Okay. Yeah. Uh, honey roasted or lightly salted?
1: I'm going to go lightly salted.
0: Is this peanuts you're talking about? Almonds, walnuts?
1: I, I like lightly salted peanuts. Okay. Um, I'm not a huge almond guy. I'll eat them in a pinch, uh, but I'm not a huge almond guy. But lightly salted peanuts. I'll just sit there and fill my belly with that for dude. Oh, my God.
0: Honey roasted, I got to go with honey roasted, but lightly salted, I'm not complaining. Do right. you prefer, uh, well, obviously, I guess you don't really have much of a choice at the grocery store, uh-huh. but are your favorite peanut eating moments whenever you're just eating the nut themselves or whenever you have the actual shell and you're shelling them and all that stuff?
1: I, like, uh, I prefer to not have to crack them open and shell them. I yep. prefer to just eat them on an airplane. Eat them on. okay. Which Eat them a on lot of airport. times it's the honey roasted when you're on the airplane. It is. But uh wisely they chose that. Yeah, or a, or just a bowl, you know, like at a pre game or something. People have a bunch of chips. stuff out to sit there and crank peanuts. Yeah. So good.
0: Well, I know you go to a lot of Rangers games, obviously, with yeah. the fan that's for being sure. the official Ranger station. Peanuts I'm is going, a, it's a big thing at at, at ballgame skin.
1: Absolutely, and I'm actually leaving to Arizona tomorrow at six AM. Really? We're gonna do the Mav game tonight and then I'm flying to Arizona for spring training.
0: How long are you gonna be out there? I
1: will be back in time for the Memphis I'll miss the Denver game. Tuesday that's night, on Tuesday but I will be back for the Memphis game Devin's on return man I know and that that really broke my heart because yep. I love him I wanted to you know come walk up to him before the game and tell him that I loved him yeah but I'm not gonna be there for that. so will you do that for me I will we say hey skin loves you
0: hey skin skin loves you Devin and also hello from me too right
1: yeah right actually we, we
0: both love you Devin how about that? I'm in. Yeah, well, have I'm fun. in, for any in uh, all
1: things, Devin. Have fun
0: at spring training, man. Thank you, Bobby. Is there anything that you wanted to hit on before we get out of here? Maybe should we uh, should we get ready for some basketball? We are about, by the way, an hour and 45 minutes away from tip-off here, uh, Mavs versus Pelicans. That means we got to get in there and go hear Rick Carlisle talk. Yeah. You want to do that? Well, he's probably waiting for us. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's be real.
1: Sarah just looked around the corner and pointed at her. Watch, hurry, Rick is waiting. Yeah, he's waiting. We're, We're on man, our dude. way, Sarah.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, guys, uh, Skin, thanks for joining me. Uh, listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, Mavs players, thanks for warming up while we were out here doing this podcast. Gave us some great stuff to talk about. Uh, good luck to the team tonight, Skin. Good luck at spring training. And we will see you guys in Numbers on the Boards next week.
1: See ya! Numbers on the Boards with Jeff Wade, and Bobby Corrala.
0: It's Corella.